Welcome to Business Law and More, the podcast that's all about the journey, not just the destination. My name is Rena. I'm a lawyer, business owner, and managing partner of Cosbond. This podcast is for creative entrepreneurs where we discuss business insights, legal hurdles, and more to help you build a business and life that you love. Thanks for spending time with me today. Turn up the volume and let's begin. So today we are going to be talking about selling your dental practice and what every seller needs to know. I'm joined by Kate Beach, who's a partner at Carter Bond, head of dentistry with over 15 years experience in the dental and healthcare sector. She was also voted as a key person in the 2022 Legal 500 Awards and Firm and is also on NASDAQ. Kate, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, great to be here. Brilliant. So you act for a lot of buyers and sellers when selling their practices. So you're the best person to give us a few tips or to give the listeners a few tips when they're selling their practice. So if you had to give, say, five main tips to sellers when selling their practice, what would they be? I think it's quite key, really, that one of the worst bits of selling, as I always say to many sellers, is the due diligence. And in that scenario, when you're selling your practice, it's really good to be prepared. The more prepared you are, the better your sale will go through. Preparation is very much about due diligence. What do we mean by due diligence? That's lots of questions that are going to be asked by a buyer and by a solicitor and by his accountant about the practice and about the property. And if he's selling a company, about the company. It's not there to trick a seller. It's there in order just to ascertain information that the buyer can then use about the practice and gain more knowledge. The more we tell them, the better and easier the process will be. We've had many a seller who have hidden that due diligence request under the bed and pretended it doesn't exist. And their sales would take a good 12 months plus to go through. Whereas we've had other sellers who have managed to do a DD questionnaire and provide all the answers within a weekend, not enough for their sales go through within about four months. So DD is really key, getting prepared. Range. So does the due diligence change when you're selling the shares in a company as opposed to assets? I suppose this is probably a whole different podcast, but just to touch on it. Yes, there is. So when you're going to be selling dental practice, like as in the goodwill and the equipment, which will be assets, you'll have probably less questions because they'll be asking you just really about those assets as your x-ray machine being properly serviced or your employment contract for your dental nurses. On a share transaction, that's where the company is being sold. That's the company that owns the dental practice. And they'll want to know more information about that company, not just the financial information, who owns the shares, where the copies of the company's constitution are, where the articles of association. And undoubtedly, that would involve more heavily your accountant to help you answer those questions. That's really interesting. And I suppose from a seller's perspective, they've been running the business for so long and they know the business. And suddenly a buyer comes along and asks all these questions our biggest advice is just to sit there and work through it. If you think about it and what do you want to do it, then you effectively are just putting off the buyer. A very well-presented DD bundle means you have a very satisfied buyer. And also it's worth remembering that the due diligence questions are not just something you have to answer once. And it's one of the biggest frustrations that sellers will tell you is, I've answered this, I've provided this. And they'll say that all the way through. And I always say to my sellers, if you dither and dather about it and moan about it, you're not gaining anything. And you're far better off just saying, okay, I've provided this three times, I've provided it for a fourth time. It usually is the case that they haven't provided it before. It'll just be an update, an updated document or something slightly different. But the key really is if a buyer asks for a document, you provide it. And those sales, nine times out of ten, are the ones that go through much more smoothly. Thank you. First, 
top tip and probably the biggest top tip as well. I know we spoke about this and you mentioned uh, tip number two was probably staying friends with everyone. I think some people see it as being some sort of divorce or separation and everybody walks away unhappy. I would honestly say to you that the, one of the tips I always say to my sellers, indeed the buyers, have a chat, talk it through. There's an awful lot of process involved with selling and indeed buying a dental practice. It's clinical. It's about the actual day-to-day management of the practice. It's just that nothing that we as lawyers will get involved in. And you will only be able to pass on that information directly to a buyer. It's really good to stay in contact. Again, talking about deals that go through smoothly, if you have that open correspondence with a buyer, invite them round, get them round for to come and see the practice. And they can come round in an evening, they can come round in a weekend. Indeed, they could pretend to be the surveyor looking at a property. They don't, you don't have to tell your staff that these are the buyers that are buying the practice. But keep that line of communication open. Things move quicker. It's a much more commercial transaction as opposed to seeing it as being he said, she said, they said. It's a much more positive experience for everybody involved. Yeah, and I suppose lawyers can't actually get in touch with the other party. Yeah, so it's true. And I suppose that's where it's key because if you're acting for a seller, you can't actually contact the buyer. You have to contact their solicitors. Exactly that. And also we are sort of correspondence will undoubtedly sound quite formal and official because that's just the nature of the transaction. Whereas quite honestly, they may just a seller can pick up the phone to the buyer and say, well, can we just have a chat about this? And they'll have come to actually quite a commercial and practical response. So yeah, we can't contact the other. It can be seen as being a bit frustrating, but if everybody's in quite open correspondence, there's very rarely anything to hide between anybody. Yeah, really good tips there. So the first one was about due diligence and almost getting your house in order. And the second is for all parties to communicate. What's your third tip, Kate? Agents. It's the oddest thing to say, but as sellers, one of the bigger issues is that once a seller has agreed to sell, in mentally, they are at a place where they've agreed that sale, possibly on just accepting the offer, or maybe it heads to term stage. Actually, that is just the very, very start of it. And I would really emphasise that being patient with the process. If for many sellers, once you've provided the due diligence, once you've handed that over, Maybe a sale contract, there might be an associate agreement for a seller, it might be something to do with the property as well, whether that's a lease or a freehold sale. But actually, the buyer tends to have to satisfy much more in their process, certainly where they've got a lender. And just having that a bit, bit of patience, a bit of flexibility, because the average sale takes six to nine months. Oh, I mean, yeah. it's, it's quite a long process. And if you've signed yourself off mentally at heads of terms, then it will feel like an even longer process. So just to clarify, therefore, I know this day we talked about patience and patience. (laughs) (laughs) Very true. Different types of patience. So the patients were people who come to the practice who need their filling and their teeth whitening done. And then patience is to have a bit of patience (laughs) with the process. (laughs) In the process. Brilliant. Thank you for that, Kate. So what are your other two tips? So the other one is to do with price. And this is a really hot topic at the minute. A number of practices we are seeing at the minute, and maybe this feeds back into patients and communication is that price and valuation may be different. So you might have had your practice valued maybe back end of last year and that valuation would have said your practice is worth let's just say a million pounds. You then put it on the market, your offer comes back, you know, your offer from your buyer comes back through and then that will state that it's subject to bank valuation, bank go off and value it and they actually come back and say actually it's worth 800,000. It is that sort of adjustment on the price and being aware that the market is a changing position. And just because other people are sold for more money in a different period of time, 
It doesn't mean that's what you're going to necessarily get now. Uh, that is a really hot topic at the minute, the difference between the price that it's put on the market for and what the bank are valuing it at. We are starting to see that difference get larger, to be fair. Yeah, and I suppose there's so many variables right now with the interest rates, valuation, supply and demand, lots of factors in price. Kate, does it ever happen that you'll say and you get towards the end of the transaction and then the buyer comes back with another cheeky offer? How do you handle that? <laughs> it's not that uncommon. I would say that, yeah, again, this goes back to a little bit of trying to get your deal through quicker. I'm not saying that if you get a deal through quicker, you won't get a price adjustment. But the longer the deal goes on, the change of market happens. So if you think about interest rates, different with people in an NHS contract or not, there's a change in sort of market at the minute, who's actually buying the practices, whether the corporates are or not, or what they are buying. All that sort of feeds into the actual structure of price. If you manage to get your deal done in four months, it gives them less chance, the buyer, to say that they want to adjust the price because the market hasn't changed. If, however, you are going through a long process and you're nine months in, you're opening the door, unfortunately, for a buyer to say, nine months ago when I made the offer, interest rate of X, I've now had a revised offer in, which is Y. To be fair to some of the buyers, certainly the first-time buyers or the individual buyers, their loan agreements from the bank, they might have themselves been provided with their loan agreement ahead of term stage and offer mm -hmm. from the bank, which might have had interest rates at, I don't know, 4%, and now they'll have an interest rate that maybe it's 5% or higher. And so it, it will change themselves so they themselves say, just a minute I don't get that loan offer until a few days before completion happens so yeah cheeky offers uh, yeah are quite common they're common okay so the speed is key speed is the essence to get it done and that ties in with your first point about due diligence and making sure that your house is in order because if you can get that done quite quickly the buyers can then pr produce the agreement quite quickly and then happy days yeah exactly that yeah. if you if your house is in order and again let's touch on the second point about communication if your house is in order and you have a really good open co correspondence with your buyer, your transaction is smoother, it runs quicker. If you produce due diligence late, that's in a shoddy state, that doesn't look great, you're not going to impress a buyer to think to themselves, oh, just a minute, this is a great practice, I want to buy. Equally, if you refuse to talk to the buyer and, and have those conversations, again, you paint the picture that you're a closed door when you don't want to show them what a great practice it is that you're selling. So absolutely, the smoother transactions, quicker transactions are the ones where we have in order, great due diligence, great communication, and to be fair, a bit of patience as to who's doing what at what point in the transaction. Thank you. And we come to the final point. I'm sure you've got lots, lots of tips. But what is your final tip? The last one is obviously to do with property. So whether you're selling your freeholder or lease, it's just worth bearing in mind that, again, getting your house in order if you've got a third-party landlord, get in touch with them to start off with. What do they require? Undoubtedly, a buyer will require whether they're a corporate or a first-time buyer a 15-year lease. It's fairly standardised. Go off to your landlord, have a conversation with them. And start to make friends with them. As well. Make friends with them, absolutely. <laughs> start off that process early. And also, if you're having that open conversation with the landlord, there's less chance then that the landlord is going to turn around and ask for unreasonable terms for a buyer. Maybe a, a landlord who asks for a six-month deposit or a 12-month deposit then it's going to have a struggle to pay the price that they've agreed to pay to you because they just don't have that cash available to them. So it's going off and sorting that out. And again, if it's a freehold sale, it's very much like a house sale. Again, get your house in order and very much have that evidence that you own the freehold. And again, if you have a mortgage on it, contact the bank early on as well. Brilliant. There are excellent tips, Kate, and I'm sure that our sellers are listening to this and they'll be in touch with more questions. But please do come back and explain the flip side, so when the buyers are buying, what they need to know. 
because I'm sure there's lots of tips that you can offer to them too. That's fabulous. Brilliant. Kate, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for listening to Business Law and More, a Cosbon podcast. Before we go, if you enjoyed the podcast, please follow and subscribe to the show, share the podcast or tell a friend about it, leave us a review and stay tuned for more next week.